0: You're listening to the Clean Water Made Easy podcast, episode number six. Hello, thanks again for tuning in to the Clean Water Made Easy podcast. My name is Jerry Polfin. I'm a water treatment contractor and WQA certified master water specialist. Hey, I hope you're having a great day wherever you're listening. You know, this podcast series is here to help you learn all about well water, well water treatment systems, how wells work and how to improve the quality of your well water. In today's episode, we're going to cover the basics on how to eliminate odors in well water, particularly rotten egg odor, uh, i.e. hydrogen sulfide. You know, I wrote a book some time ago called the definitive guide to well water treatment and one section of that book, how to remove odors in well water. Is also available as a separate guide, and that's actually our most downloaded guide I've ever done. It's very popular, it's very useful, and for listeners of this podcast, I'm offering it for free. If you'd like to get your guide, then all you have to do is text the word "odor guide" to four four two two two, or go to cleanwaterstore.com/slash/podcast, and you can find it there. But if you're on mobile and it's convenient for you, if you're on your cell phone, then just text the word, all one word, odor guide. That's O D O R G U I D E, odor guide. And text that word to 44222, and we'll get that going for you. So, in this episode, we're going to cover what is the cause of the odor in my well water? What's the best way to eliminate odor without spending a lot of money? what types of filters or systems are out there to treat odors, and we'll also go over how you can run a little test at home and see what approach would work to eliminate the odors in your water without having to spend any money. So, the most common odor that we run into is rotten egg odor. This is hydrogen sulfide gas, it's a gas in water. has a very distinctive rotten egg odor. And it may be especially noticeable when running hot water, but, it's, it, but it's, it, you can find it in the cold and hot. This kind of water discolors coffee, tea, and other beverages, and it alters the appearance and taste of cooked foods. It's really a nuisance. It's not usually a health risk at concentrations found in household water, but indeed it can be very toxic at higher levels. Usually the gas can be detected long before it reaches harmful concentrations, but at higher concentration it is flammable and poisonous. While these concentrations are not common, if the gases are released in a confined area, they can cause nausea, illness, and in extreme cases, death. You know, there was, uh, reminds me of some years ago, we were working on a project down in Arroyo Seco in Monterey County, where we're based in Northern California, and it was a a small community, and they had, a, they had a new well coming online. Horrific hydrogen sulfide. It was really hard for us to even analyze for it, but in the end, we figured it's somewhere between 80 and 100 parts per million. Normally, if you have two to four or five parts per million, it's so bad you can't take it. But this was so bad when the uh, it went first into a storage tank when the float switch in the storage tank turned the well on. This cloud of hydrogen gas sulfide gas came out and just gave us extreme headaches we had to run for it so it can get bad that that was a tricky system to deal with but in the end we did end up fixing it for him but anyway hydrogen sulfide dissolved in water can corrode plumbing metals such as iron steel copper and brass so you a lot of times you'll see corrosion uh the corrosion of iron and steel forms ferric sulfide or black water, so sometimes folks will see, along with iron sulfide, you'll see black water. could be from manganese, which is another thing that causes uh, water to turn black or leave black stains, but oftentimes you get a little bit iron in the water with iron sulfide and you get that ferric sulfide, so you get black. Where does it come from? Well, iron bacteria and sulfur bacteria present in groundwater is the most common way it comes about. These bacteria use iron and sulfur as an energy source, and it chemically changes the sulfates to produce hydrogen sulfide. These bacteria use sulfur available from decaying plants, rocks, and soil, and often thrive in an iron-rich environment. So that's why a lot of times folks have irony water, they rusty water, and they have hydrogen sulfide too. The harmless, non-toxic bacteria normally exist in oxygen-deficient environments such as deep wells... plumbing systems hydrogen sulfide gas may also be present in wells drilled in shale or sandstone near coal or peat deposits or in oil fields it's a big problem for the petroleum industry they're used to dealing with it the hydrogen sulfide is normally found in wells It can also enter surface water through springs where it quickly escapes in the atmosphere often water heaters can become a source of hydrogen sulfide as a matter of fact uh, many folks have run into just on their hot water and a lot of folks even in city water where there's a very low chlorine residual they will have uh, problems with their um, magnesium anode rods and that's what's caused by an interaction with the anode rod and sulfate in the water and it gives off this hydrogen sulfide gas other causes of odor in the water especially when it's cucumber odor or sewage odor, or sometimes people say it's fuel oil odor. These could be from iron or manganese, again, with different types of bacteria that are uh, metabolizing the iron and manganese along with sulfate to create these weird odors. Uh, but there's always a chance of septic tanks as well or actual real contamination. In other words, there is, it smells like fuel oil, Because it is fuel oil, so that's a possibility. It's pretty rare, but how do you, basically, the way you go about this first is you need to do a water analysis. It's very important. Even if you know you've just got iron sulfide, it's good to know what the pH of the water is. Good to know if there is any iron or manganese, and just do a basic general mineral analysis. And since it's a good idea once a year to have your well tested for coliform bacteria, that's a good time. To do it, just so you know going in, hey, I've got coliform as well as, or I don't have coliform with odor. So there's different things as far as what type of treatment you decide to do. It's useful to know going in what the basic water chemistry is. Okay, what to do? Well, then the first thing to do after you get the water test or while you're getting water tested is to do a toilet tank inspection. This was in episode 4 basically do a physical inspection of your well your pipes and your toilet tank it's very easy to do and it's very useful but one thing a lot of times it's hard to know where is the odor coming from I mean you just assume yeah it's coming from my well I've got a well but it may not be you might you can run the water outside say from a hose bib or a faucet outside if you can or if there's some way to get water right from the well before it goes into the house Sometimes it's possible, sometimes not, but if you have that set up, you want to run the cold well water and just make sure you're getting water right from the well and put it in a five-gallon bucket and just give it a smell. If you've been living there for a while and you think you might have gotten used to the sulfur smell, which is very common, then you might want to have someone else do it, like your friend, maybe your favorite brother-in-law, whatever, just have someone else come over and give it a smell and see, is there odor coming from the well? But usually you can, you can tell. So then you can compare that to the water heater odor. Is there water? Is the hot water have an odor? And then we often, it can happen where, um, folks will have no odor in the well, no odor in the Hot water downstairs, but odor in one or more taps upstairs, or, for instance, in some bathroom, uh, usually that's not used very much, and that's the key. So these um, uh, bacteria that, in the the, the the whole chemical process that creates the hydrogen sulfide gas, it takes time, and usually it works better if the water's undisturbed. So if the it's sitting there. And there is a biofilm of bacteria in the pipes. It lives and grows on the sulfate and metabolizes sulfate and iron or and our manganese. And then it it as a as it lives and grows and dies, it gives off hydrogen sulfide gas. So that's why a lot of times folks will go to a lake house or a or a, a weekend home, and the first thing they turn on the water smells horrible. And then after they run the water a while, it's fine. That's because this the uh, bacteria have had a chance to, to do their job and create this terrible odor. So so basically, the, water nails first, look in the toilet tank, see what it looks like. Is it clean? Is it black? Is there sediment in it? Just kind of give you a good idea, because like I discussed in, I think it was episode four, the toilet tank is a a good representation of what's happening with your cold water i mean nobody ever cleans the toilet flush tank hardly so it's a good way to look in there and say yeah i see what's going on here maybe there's nothing going on or maybe you can see the water is bubbly black that's a sign that you might have iron or sulfur bacteria along with this odor problem okay so the next step is how to i eliminate the odors well Odors are best eliminated by first applying an oxidizer. What is an oxidizer? So chlorine, hydrogen peroxide, ozone, or air, the oxygen and air. They're all oxidizers. And in most cases, uh, usually you, you apply the oxidizer and then you run it through a filter of some kind. And we'll talk about that in a minute. There's many different ways to do it, but that's the most, just in general, that's the best way to do it. Now, a lot of folks will say, well, hey, I've got my fridge, uh, carbon filter on my refrigerator, ice maker, and the water on the door, and the water smells terrible coming out of my kitchen faucet, but out of the refrigerator, it's fine. So I'm going to get a carbon filter. And actually, it does make sense, and in fact, carbon will remove the uh, hydrogen sulfide, but it doesn't last very long. And so if you were to put a whole house carbon filter um, on your house, okay. in order to get a big enough one that wouldn't restrict your flow rate, you'd need, say, half a cubic foot or a cubic foot of carbon. And literally, sometimes that can last a month or two or three or four months or definitely less than a year. And all of a sudden, you've got to dump out the carbon and start over. Or if you get a cartridge filter... You might have to change that literally every month or every two or three weeks. It can get very expensive. The other problem is with carbon is, especially in a cartridge, is that there probably is some bacteria in water. I mean, the well water is not sterile, even if it doesn't have coliform in it. And so you get this heterotrophic bacteria growing and breeding in the carbon, and it can give off slime, and then you get pressure loss there in the house. So it can cut back on your water pressure. And it's not very healthy either. If you you get a bit carbon breeding bacteria, it's not the best. So generally, we don't recommend carbon cartridges for the whole house. Exception could be if you do have a weekend home or a lake house or something you use rarely, you, you could just pop in a cartridge when you're there. That's one possibility. It's easy and it's low cost, but it's not the best way to do it. Okay. The four popular and relatively low cost ways, or at least three of them are low cost ways to eliminate odor is aeration, whether it's aerating the water with air or oxygen, but basically aeration then chlorination, or hydrogen peroxide or ozone gas. So aeration is a very well established and very popular method to eliminate odor from water. There are three main ways. It's typical for residential applications. One way is you have a, <clears throat> a venturi. So when the well turns on, this thing in the pipe, there's a pressure drop through this venturi and it sucks in air. So that's so you're introducing air into the water by virtue of venturi. Not the best way to do it. We used to use those a couple, you know, decades ago, more popular than now, because Um, they were pretty reliable, but the problem with it is is that they do cause pressure loss. And so um, the, the the air injectors, the inline air injectors are not the best way to do it. Um, Another way to do it is to literally um, aerate the water into a storage tank. That's really good way to do it. Although then you've got to buy a storage tank and you need another booster pump and pressure tank for coming to the house. So, but you can aerate the water, spray the water into a storage tank. And oftentimes, if the odor is just slightly bad and you have a big enough storage tank, say at least 500 gallons up to several, three, 5,000 gallons, then oftentimes that's all you need. Sometimes you don't even need a filter. if The odor is very slight. But if the odor is uh, more than just slight, even if you're aerating in a storage tank, you usually need some kind of filter afterwards. So that's why we recommend uh, oxidation, some kind of oxidizer like air, chlorine, hydrogen peroxide, or ozone. And then afterwards it's a filter, because you need to filter out the um, particles that have been oxidized. So they're clear in the water. Now they may be black, gray, or if you have iron or manganese, they could be rust or black. So anyway, so it's a two-step process. So one thing is, is that... You can try aeration at home. As a matter of fact, you can try the next several methods I'm going to go over as well. But for aeration, all you have to do is get your five gallon bucket and just spray the water into the bucket. And you could wait like five minutes and then see if it smells, wait an hour, see if it, see if there's a smell and kind of tell how it's working. So there's another aeration method that's pretty popular now because it's very simple. And it's one system that includes aeration and filtration. And that's what we call, some people call it too, an air charger type filter. So you can get an air charger iron filter, which has iron filter media in it. Or you can get an air charger sulfur filter, which has catalytic carbon in it. So getting back to the discussion quickly about carbon, uh, standard carbon uh, does not last as long in the removal of hydrogen sulfide as catalytic carbon. So catalytic carbon has a catalyst on it so that when the if there's a little bit of oxygen in the water, so you need the aeration first, then the hydrogen sulfide rapidly oxidizes right on the catalytic carbon filter media. And so it's a catalyst, which means that it doesn't get used up like it would be if it's standard carbon. So there's a catalytic process going on there, So which means that It's, it's not getting used up. It's a, this chemical process is happening right on the medium, So that generally lasts, works better and lasts a lot longer. Some of, some of our, we've had many folks get the air charger sulfur filters over the years and those things can last years before you have to dump out the carbon and start over. You can, you can, you can easily easily get three years, sometimes four or five years. So it's much cheaper than using a carbon cartridge and it's really effective and you don't have an air compressor or a storage tank. It's all in one tank. Um, if, you, if there's bacteria in the water, however, you'd still want to put a UV sterilizer after the carbon filter just to make sure there's no bacteria could be breeding in the in the carbon. Um, but they they do work great, and they're very simple to install, and there are no maintenance. There's no cartridges. The way they work is that, it maintains a head of air inside the filter tank. So they have this thing looks like a water softener, single tank, doesn't use any salt. But it, when it goes into a backwash, it, it, it backwashes and cleans itself, but it maintains a head of air on the top of the tank. There's pictures on this in the guide too. And, um, but anyway, you can kind of envision it. It's a tank with uh, water goes in, goes through, falls through a head of air, and then it goes through the carbon. By that point, the water coming out totally clean. And if there is any sediment, it backwashes it out. Okay, so that basically covers aeration. There's aeration, like I said, by Venturi. There's aeration by the air charger type. And then there you can actually get an actual air compressor type system that actually literally blows air into your water. And those are, again, usually... Um, coupled with a filter tank. So it's, that's a two-take two process. Okay, moving on to our perhaps favorite method is chlorine, chlorine bleach. Everybody hates chlorine. They don't want to drink chlorine or bathe in chlorine if they can avoid it. But the thing is, it's very low cost and it's really effective. And you can filter it out so you don't have to drink any or have any chlorine residual in your house. Uh, chlorine is very effective uh, at, Not only getting rid of the odors, but it also kills bacteria. So it's a really good disinfectant. So it kills the bacteria that cause the odors. So sometimes what can happen is you've got a situation where you've got a well loaded with sulfur bacteria or iron bacteria. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you you can aerate it, gets rid of the odor, but the bacteria is still living in the water. So what happens is they go in the house, you go on vacation, come back terrible odor again. So, chlorine gets rid of that problem. So because basically you're chlorinating the water and you're often, you know, before before it's this is done automatically with a little tiny metering pump that pumps in a little bit of chlorine every time the well pump turns on. And then that runs into a a little contact tank and then goes through a carbon filter or if you have iron, you could use a iron filter that can that works good with chlorine. And that way, you have no odor, no iron, no manganese, no sediment. So the common the chlor- chlorination works the best, we've found. And, I mean, ozone works the best. I'm getting that at the minute. But it's super expensive. So the, the chlorine is the best low-cost way to go. You know, with aeration, you think about it, you're adding air into the water. So whether you spray it in your tank, unless you have a large enough tank, or most of the time, you use an air compressor or an air charger or an air injector to spray it, to put the air in the tank under pressure, you've literally got air in the water. So when you draw a glass from the kitchen, it might look wide. You might have a little bit of dissolved gas in the water. So even though there's <clears throat> mechanisms to deaerate the water or gas off the air, it can still be an issue. It's no big deal, but it's just one thing. So chlorine doesn't put any air in the water, and you've got that's one advantage of it disinfects the water and it really works great on the odor um, so that's we've found more and more that chlorination is a good way to go the next way is hydrogen peroxide you can use the same system if it's especially if it has a degassing valve for the chlorinator pump as a chlorinator so you can actually try either one you can try chlorine you can try peroxide peroxide is nice because when you're adding peroxide into the water you don't have you don't have a chlorine residual you, when when you add hydrogen peroxide into the water, basically it breaks down pretty quickly in just oxygen and water. So you're not putting, you know, the chlorine bleach is sodium hypochloride. So that's a little bit of sodium. It's a very small amount, just a couple milligrams, so it's not a big issue. But you are putting, you know, it's something you're putting into the water. It's a little bit of a, a um, salt in there. But with peroxide, you don't have that. So a lot of people like the peroxide. Um, one thing it... Use peroxide, especially if you have pretty high levels of hydrogen peroxide. Where you, I mean, hydrogen sulfide, where you'd have to add a lot of uh, bleach to it. In other words, the more more hydrogen sulfide you have, the more oxidizer you need. So whether it's air, chlorine, peroxide, you have to add enough to neutralize this odor. So if you get in a situation, again, like I was talking about our uh, well with extreme hydrogen sulfide uh, before down there in Rosseco, the, those, those folks, we end up having to go to industrial grade hydrogen peroxide. That's the only way to treat it because the, you couldn't add enough chlorine to do it. And the other problem with it, and that's another reason to get a water test, is that if you have a high pH, if, if the pH of your water is above 8, chlorine is not very effective. So ideally, you want your pH to be fairly neutral, or even a little less than neutral, a little acidic, but it works fine if it's between seven, seven point five. That's okay. But if it gets to eight, above eight, chlorine can be can be hard to use because it very little of the chlorine you're adding to the water will work. So, both hydrogen peroxide, um, it does seem to work better, or, or you, you, you have to add a lot of it. And if you add a lot of hydrogen peroxide, you still end up with water and oxygen. It's no big deal, you know. In other words, you it doesn't affect the taste is what I was going to cause I was getting at. You know, we tried different tests, and we've had many other customers, same, same thing. Some customers it does work better to use peroxide rather than chlorine just from a taste standpoint, you know, it just tastes better. But for most situations though, if you have like two to 10 parts per million, if you know, if it's bad, but it's just not driving you out of the house, it's not like just super toxic. Then, um, Chlorination works better because you do get disinfection. Peroxide, you know, peroxide isn't really rated as a disinfectant for water. It kind of is misleading to folks sometimes because, you know, your mom might have put peroxide on your cuts when you're little to, to uh, sanitize your wound or whatever. But And it does work for that. It cleans the wound and it can, can you know, sanitize it. But it, it doesn't work the same way in water. You would have to put a tremendous amount of peroxide in the water industrial grade, which is very hard to deal with, to work with, to have real disinfection. So the EPA and World Health Organization, they don't even recognize peroxide as a disinfectant. Um, But it does work great for water treatment. So, I mean, it it does work well to kill the odor. So those are the two. And fortunately, the same system, you can do both. You can try both. Peroxide is much more expensive to use than chlorine. Chlorine bleach, it's cheap. And while you can't use laundry bleach, you can often find a pool supply place that just sells the pure sodium hypochlorite like 10% pool chlorine that usually doesn't have additives or other weird stuff in it it's just sodium hypochlorite bleach you want chlorine like laundry bleach you want to stay away from because it has all kinds of other stuff in it to help with clean clothes not good for drinking water so peroxide again works great a little expensive uh the the kind that we use for our customers is seven percent because you can ship that. But you can also buy it locally and get the industrial grade. But if you get 35% grade, it can be explosive. It can catch on fire. Uh, so it's it, you have to be careful with that. It's Don't use recommend that for residential applications. Okay, so moving on to ozone. Ozone is actually, if it wasn't for the expense of the ozone, I'd say that'd be my favorite one because it's very, also doesn't, uh, Works really good. It t- disinfects the water, but it breaks down in oxygen. So you don't have any, you're not adding a s- little, little bit of sodium like sodium hypochloride to the water. But it's so expensive. Um, even the lowest cost one, you're looking to be three or four times the cost of chlorinator. And oftentimes are 10 times the cost or more. So unless you have a, a, a great budget and you want to get something that's completely automatic where you don't have to mess with it, maybe just once a year and do maintenance on it then uh, the ozone is a good way to go. But if you don't, don't have the budget and you just want something simple that will work, it's very effective, we recommend coronation or hydrogen peroxide. Secondly, we would recommend a, some kind of a, a oxidizing filter, like an air charge or sulfur filter or an iron filter. Now, there are other types of media filters, and that's the last thing on my list here I'm going to talk about. And that, uh, there are oxidizing iron filters that remove hydrogen sulfide. So you have green sand filters, and you have manganese dioxide filters. We sell Proox, but there's also Phylox, Pyrolox, different types of manganese dioxide. And they all remove odors too if the water is chlorinated. So you can aerate the water too, but there has to be some oxidizer before it. Um, So if you have uh, odor with iron, with manganese, then a really great way to do it is to set up an automatic chlorinator so when well turns on puts a tiny bit of bleach into the into the pipe before your pressure tank. And then and then or if you do it after the pressure tank, you can use a proportional feeder. Again, this is all in the guide too. But basically you have a chlorinator and then run it through your iron filter, the manganese dioxide iron filter, and then finally run it through a carbon filter. Because you don't want any chlorine residual in your household water. Especially if you're on a septic tank. So um Basically, you have the chlorinator and manganese dioxide filters or some kind of oxidizer with manganese dioxide filters if you have if you have odor with iron and manganese. If you just have odor alone, then we recommend aeration or chlorination or hydroxide with a catalytic carbon filter. Well, I went through that very quickly. I know it could be a lot of information, but it's very. This is all laid out in the guide if you want to get that PDF and look through it. Basically, what we talked about today is what causes odors. Where do I, how and where do I identify where the odor is coming from? You, the other thing is you want to consider uh, sanitizing your well, like shocking your well one time with chlorine. That's another thing that that's a good thing to consider before you. If you just have a it's a new well and you think that it just might be the well sat for like a year or two, you can do a well chlorination and that is what the next episode is going to be about our next episode is going to be about all about how to shock chlorinate your well pipeline or storage tanks okay and again you can get your free guide on how to remove odors from well water by texting the word odor guide to 44222 or go to cleanwaterstore.com slash podcast and can find it there as well okay thanks for listening